are in a sermon series about how to go through difficult times. And lots of us have been through difficult times and are even now going through difficult times. And so we are turning to God's Word as our foundation. We're looking for His guidance. And this sermon series is about that very thing. You know, I like uh, Charlie Brown comics. And there's some great philosophy coming out of the Charlie Brown Peanuts comic strips. And Peanuts once said this. Listen carefully. It always looks darkest just before it gets totally black. Now that was his philosophy. Another philosophy major named Irv Hedstrom said this, The Lord doesn't take us into deep waters to drown us, but rather to develop us. And he said, in the presence of trouble, some people grow wings and others buy crutches. These are all statements that help us to look at our struggles and our trials and our setbacks with a little bit different set of eyes. And today, as we continue our series in the book of First Peter, we are looking for God's Word to those who are going through difficult times. How do I respond to tragedy? How do I respond to suffering and persecution in this world? I mean, let me just throw some things at you. Ready? Orlando. Houston. California. Wildfires. Floods. West Virginia. Nice, France, Turkey, lots of things going on in our world. And those are the things that are big and affect everybody. And then there's the things that are going on in our personal lives. We have a loved one who is battling cancer. We have a relationship that's really being strained to the very limits. We have financial setbacks and hardships. We have doubts and struggles in our own minds. We get a bad report from the doctor. We hear of a friend who's gone through surgery and the surgery didn't turn out the way we thought it would. So all of us face these kinds of struggles. And we need to know that God has something to say to us when we are facing these things. How can I stand strong in my faith when I'm facing overwhelming circumstances? I want to welcome the people who've joined us by way of the internet and thank you for being part of this sermon series. That's uh, That listening guide is right there 
on the website. You can download it and just follow right along with us as we study God's Word together. I'm reading from 1 Peter and chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 3 and see what the Apostle says to us. Hear the word of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If God raised Jesus from the dead, is there anything he can't do? So for all of us, the hope that we have is in a resurrected Savior. If Jesus rose from the dead, if God can do that, then he can resurrect anything. He can raise things in your life that seem to be dead. It says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That is, God has rewards that he is storing up in heaven, and one day you're going to get there, and you will receive your reward. Those who are kept by the power of God through a faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God. And what the Bible says is that God has a hold of us and he's never going to let go. The word kept means to have a firm grip on us. We are kept by God's power. You are not kept by your power. You are kept by God's power. And sometimes we get so weak in our faith and so weak in our lives that we can't hang on anymore. And I want you to know, when you're too weak to hang on, he's got a firm grip on you. You are kept by the power of God. I've shared this illustration before, but I want to share it again just to remind you. Um, We used to live up in New England, in the Boston area. And when my son was just two years old, between two and three years old, we were walking in downtown Boston. And uh, we were standing near the curb and the traffic was going. And he stepped off the curb without me, but I had a firm grip on him. And so what happened was he stepped off and I just reached up and pulled him right back beside me before he could get hurt. I was right upset with him for stepping off the curb. And I expressed that to him. But the whole time I had a firm grip on him. I was not letting him out of my grip. And your heavenly father, this is the word picture that is right here in First Peter. Listen, no matter what happens in your life, your heavenly father has a firm grip on you. And he will never let go. You don't have to worry about that at all. That's one of the things Peter 
is telling us in his word. Verse 6, this is our focus today, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice. That is, on the basis of what you've just heard, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the security that we find in the power of God to hold us firm when we are too weak to go on. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. We're going to talk about this and the principles involved for all of us. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, the genuineness of your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the sermon today is about how to respond to these trials that come, because they will come to all of us. If you're not in a trial right now, then you're either coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. That is the nature of life itself. There are four important principles. I hope you will follow along in your listening guide. Four important principles for us as we look at this passage of Scripture. This is what God says. First of all, Jesus' followers have a source of joy. Notice that Peter says, we greatly rejoice. Peter states that this kind of joy, real joy that comes from the Lord, is not based on our circumstances, but is based on our relationship with God. This is our eternal, unchanging relationship with God. And Peter connects that joy to the security of knowing that we are kept by the power of God. So he says, now listen, he says, look, you're going through some really tough times right now. He says this to his readers. He's saying it to you and me this morning. You're going through some really tough times today. But please remember, God has this. And God has you. He's got a firm grip on you, and he's not going to let go. He's going to get you through this. And so you can have joy in the midst of all these trials, because unlike lost people, you have a source of hope and strength that is founded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, there's nothing he can't do in your life. And you are secure in that. He has a firm grip. You who are kept by the power of God. That means you don't have to keep yourself. I'm really glad of that. I don't have to try hard to keep myself. In his grace and love, he will keep me by his power. Second thing. Second important principle. Christ followers, Jesus followers, will encounter trials. Now please note, he says, Peter says, various trials. Every one of us is going through something. We could open up our hearts and talk to each other this morning. You'd be surprised what we're going through, what we're struggling with. All of us are struggling with something. 
Notice Peter expects us to go through these various trials. These kinds of trials. The word various means different kinds of trials. For some of us, it is um, physical problems. And they're beating us down. And it seems like, you know, we go two steps forward and three steps back. And we're getting physical setbacks that are really difficult to deal with. Uh, People talk about aging. And aging is hard. It's hard on us. Uh, You know, we go downhill and things that used to work don't work anymore. And it's hard on us. But those are part of the trials that Peter says we should expect. It's part of life. It is part of what happens to us. And what we should remember is we have a reason to rejoice. We are kept by the power of God. And if Jesus is raised from the dead, there is always hope in our lives. So he says, expect these trials. Don't be surprised by them. They're going to come. There's physical problems, and we deal with those. And then there's emotional problems. You know, as you get older, you worry about different things. Anxiety can set in, and you can worry, and you can get all uptight about things. And that's part of the trials. Do you know that God allows you to go through anxious and worrisome times so that you will grow in your faith. Don't be surprised by these various trials. Some of us go through financial problems, and even those pressures are allowed by God to deepen our faith. Some of us go through relational issues, you know. We have sons and daughters and moms and dads and aunts and uncles, and then we have friends and co-workers, and we have people we go to school with, and there's always some relational issue going on. And God allows those trials to deepen our faith in Him. God also takes us through spiritual battles. Yes, sometimes we have doubts and questions. And He even allows that in our lives to deepen our relationship with Him. Notice that these trials serve a purpose. He uses the phrase, if need be. Yes, these trials are needed. Imagine if everything in your life went exactly as you hoped it would. Imagine if you skated through life and everything went smoothly. You know what kind of person you would be? You'd be terrible to be around. One of the things that happens to us when we go through trials is it has a way of making us tender and compassionate toward other people who are going through rough times. And if you never face any of that stuff, then you tend to think, well, that's your problem and I got my life. And you become very, very self-centered. So God allows these trials in our lives and he has a purpose for everything he allows to happen. Notice also these trials are not going to last forever. Peter uses the phrase, a little while. God controls the boundaries of your trials. He controls the beginning of them. You see, God knew exactly when this trial was going to hit your life. And he controls when it happens. 
he also controls how long it goes on. And he sets the end point of that trial. He knows exactly when it's going to end, when it's going to be over. And I have important news. He not only controls the beginning and the end, he controls everything in between. He is the one who is controlling that trial, its length, its depth, and its purpose. He controls all of that stuff that's going on in your life. And your job and mine is to turn to him in faith and to realize Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. There's nothing too hard for the Father. God has this. He's got a firm grip on me. He's going to get me through. I have reason to rejoice. So that's my job, and that's how I'm to respond to these trials. So we've noted a couple of things already. We've noted that Jesus' followers have a source of joy, and Jesus' followers will encounter trials. Peter says, look, you're not going to be spared the grief. Every one of us goes through times when our hearts are heavy when they're broken, when we're questioning, when we're having a tough time. And God says, look, I know this is a struggle for you. I designed it that way. I want you to struggle. Because it is in the struggle that you find the real Jesus. Not the one you read about. Not the one that's portrayed in the movies. The real Jesus, the one who is right there, who has a firm grip on your life, and who is very real to help you through your trial. Well, thirdly, Jesus' followers have genuine faith. This is what the Bible says. God's purpose in allowing the trouble to hit our lives is to reveal the reality of our faith. Now, please understand, if everything is going great in your life, you know, you're not having any physical problems, you don't have any financial problems, you don't have any relationship problems, everything's going good at work, everything's going good in your life, everything's hitting on all cylinders, and if you say, praise the Lord, nobody cares. Of course you're going to praise the Lord. Everything is going great in your life. But, but, when the trial hits your life and people can see that your heart is aching, people can see that you're struggling, people can see that you're having a hard time, people know that you're going through some really tough stuff, they know that and they observe your life. And when they see that you're going to trust God anyway, it makes them sit up and wonder, I wonder what they have that I don't have. Then if you praise the Lord, they are paying attention. And don't you think that's part of the purpose of it all? So that God gets the attention and He gets the glory and He gets the honor through your life. If everything's going great, nobody cares. 
But when your life is falling apart at the seams and you continue to say, God is in control, He's got this, He's got me, I'm going to trust Him, that draws attention to the reality of who Jesus is. That's part of the purpose of all of these trials. His purpose is to show the reality and the genuineness of your faith. Listen, if your faith can't get you through a trial, it isn't worth much. When we go through trials of our faith, we find that God can be trusted. He can be. But you don't know that he can really be trusted until you go into a dark room and you're there by yourself and you find out that here God is with you and he's going to get you through it. You don't know how faithful he really is until he's all that you have. You don't realize that he's holding you close until everybody else has abandoned you. You don't know those things until you go through the trial. Well, the rest of the people, you know, life is going along good, everything is fine. They don't really know how faithful God is. They don't really know that He's really present with them. They don't know that He can give peace in the trials. They don't know that there's joy that can carry you through. They don't know that God's got a firm grip. They don't know that because they've never had to trust Him. Now listen. Went through a really tough period in my life. Uh, some years ago, boy, I was hanging on to something. I was saying, God, I just can't live without this. I have got to have this, Lord. Please don't let it be taken from me. I have to have this. I don't think I can live without it, Lord. And I was holding on tight. And God started prying my fingers loose. One at a time, just prying my fingers loose, and then he took from my hands what I thought I couldn't live without. And I was laying in the floor in my living room saying, God, it would be fine with me if you just took my life right now. I'm ready to give up. I'm just as serious as I can be. There I am laying in the floor saying, God, It would be fine if you just take me home. And the Holy Spirit says to me, I'm not finished with you yet. I said, okay. That's all I needed. I just needed that one word, that God was at work and that he was going to get me through it. When you get to those places, and God pries your hands off of the thing that you thought you couldn't live without. Guess what he does? He puts into your hands that which you've been searching for all your life. And so the trial is there to prove the reality of your faith. It's not just a theory anymore. It's what you are living. That's the purpose of the trial. 
you find out that Jesus is real. When you go through trials, you realize He's more real than life itself. Hey, this Jesus that God rose from the dead, He's real, and He's right here, and He's with me, and I'm knowing His presence, and He's given me peace and strength. He's right here with me. And you don't know that until you go through the trial. When we go through the trials, we begin to see that the stuff we've been accumulating just doesn't matter. Listen, if you're laying in a hospital bed dying of cancer, do you think you're really concerned about the car that you're driving? Do you really think you're caring about the house you're living in? Do you think you're caring about the clothes that you're going to wear? Do you think you care about any of those things? If you're dying in a hospital bed, you know what you care about? You care about one thing, my relationship with God. Because I'm getting ready to face eternity, and I don't want to face eternity without the Lord. That's all you care about. And so when you go through a trial, what happens is your attachment to things is loosened. And you realize that all this stuff that you've been working so hard to accumulate, it's all going to burn up one day. And all you're going to have left is what you've invested in eternity. Why is it that we spend so much of our time, energy, all of our strength, our time, our energy, our efforts, pouring our lives into things that don't last? Why do we do that? It's because somehow we believe that the stuff we accumulate means we're more valuable. We've forgotten that our value doesn't come from what we own. Our value comes from the God who created us in His image. That gives us value and worth that is eternal. And so all that stuff begins to fade. All the prestige and the possessions, all the positions, all of that stuff, it begins to fade. We see the stuff and it doesn't matter. What really matters is our relationship with the Lord. Now, I have a, a picture of a tree on the edge of property. I want to tell you this quick story. Some years ago, I was visiting with a man, and uh, we were outside, and he had just planted this tree. And he said, uh, he said, Doc, you see that tree out there on the edge of my property? I said, sure. He said, I just planted that tree, and I am suffering that tree. I said, what? He said, I'm suffering that tree. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, that tree has a root system that is very shallow right now. It runs just a few inches below the dirt. 
And if I water that tree and fertilize that tree, then the roots don't have to go anywhere to find nourishment. And so I am withholding from that tree the water and the fertilizer so that the roots will be driven down deep into the soil and it will anchor that tree in the soil. It will send the roots looking for nourishment deep into the soil and it will anchor that tree in the soil and then when the wind blows it won't topple the tree because the tree is anchored in the soil. Listen, my friend. God may be withholding from you something you think you really need. And he's doing it for the purpose of suffering you, of driving your roots down deep into Christ to find nourishment for your soul. And then your life becomes anchored in Christ and when the trials of storms hit your life, you are not blown over by what's happening in your life. You are firmly anchored in Christ. That's what He does through trials. And so, when you go through these difficult times, you begin to see, Lord, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I can handle one more thing. This is heartbreaking and it's difficult. Emotionally, it's draining for me. Realize, he's trying to drive your roots down into Christ. Not into this world. Not even into your friends. Your friends are valuable, but they're not the ones who can fix this. There's only one who can fix it. I would like for you to say this with me. Say, just hold on. I'll tell you what to say. Say this. I can't fix this. We, we need to try that again. Ready? I can't fix this. And here's the truth. You can't fix what's wrong in your life. The only one who can is the Lord Jesus. And God suffers us so that we will find the answers we need in the person of Christ. Our hope is God raised Jesus from the dead and He's going to raise us from the dead as well. He can resurrect things in your life. He's able to do that. Finally, Jesus' followers expect the return of the Lord Jesus. Friends, I must tell you, one day, God is going to set everything right. Everything that is wrong is going to be set right. He's the only one that can do that. This refers to the return of Jesus Christ at His second coming. This is the time when the Lord is going to come for us and He's going to take us home. He's going to come for you and me one day and He's going to take us home to our heavenly home, a place of reward, a place where there's no more crying no more sorrow, no more death. A time the Lord will reward us for our faithfulness. A time when every tear will be wiped away. A time when all sorrow will end and everything will be set right. And it won't happen until Jesus returns. Listen carefully. 
There is no political answer for the mess we're in. It really doesn't matter who becomes president. They cannot fix it. The only one who can fix it is the Lord Jesus. And the only time, listen, the only time there's going to be real peace on earth is when the Prince of Peace is reigning in Jerusalem. He's the one who's coming back. He's the one who can fix it. And you and I better get our relationship with him right now. We want to get right with him now and have a relationship with him that will last for eternity. He's able to get you through those trials. He will, if you'll trust him. He's that kind of a Savior. He's a great God. All of us need to take some next steps. You know, the Lord's working in our lives, and we want to take a next step. I want to take a next step in my life. I want to grow in my relationship with him. I want trials to have their purpose in me, and I want to welcome them into my life and let them do what they need to do in my life so that I don't keep going around the same old circle, repeating the same old stupid mistakes. So here's your next step. Some of you here today need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You've never done that. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's as easy as A, B, C, right? A, B, C, A. You admit that you're a sinner. You say, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I need to be forgiven. The only way you know that you're really a sinner is if the Holy Spirit points it out to you. And if he's pointing it out to you, then he wants to do something in your life today. A, admit that you're a sinner. That's called repentance. It's turning away from your sin and turning toward Jesus Christ. He's the solution for our sin problem. The reason there's hate and murder and racism and all this division is because all men have sin. It's a sin problem, not a skin problem. It really is. It's a sin problem. And every one of us has that sin problem. Jesus is the answer to that. Admit that you're a sinner. B, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. Believe that he died for your sins. Believe that he rose from the dead. That's the B. You believe in Jesus Christ. Was he indeed the Son of God and did he go to the cross? Yes, he did. Did he raise again the third day from the dead? Yes, he did. God raised him from the dead for you and me. And believing in him gives us hope for the future. We can know the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the third. C. C is commit your life to Jesus Christ. Faith is not believing in your mind. Faith is not acknowledging facts. Faith is when you commit your life to Jesus Christ. You say, you are my hope. You are my answer. You're my forgiveness. You're my very life. You commit your life to him. A, B, C. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved. That may be your next step. Is there anybody here today who's sitting here this morning and says, all of a sudden you say, my goodness, I need to be saved. I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here like that this morning? Would you stand up right where you are? I have no intention of embarrassing you, but everybody in here would be cheering for you. Okay? Is there anybody here that needs to do that? There you go. Hey, Stand up, stand up here for a second. This is Austin. I met Austin on uh, Wednesday night, and God's at work in his life. Is that right, Austin? 
Amen. All right. Let, let's just pray for Austin, okay? Dear Father, here's a young man that has stood up today and said, I need the Lord Jesus. And I pray, dear Father, that you will make yourself so real to Austin. I pray that you'll forgive his sins, that you'll take charge of his life, that you'll cause him to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as church to encourage this young man that his walk with you may grow and mature, that he may be set free to follow you all the days of his life. I ask your rich blessings upon him this day in the great and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Austin. Thank you, sir. My goodness, that's great. Okay, if I just take a breath for a minute, that's that's really good. Hey, Austin. God bless you, man. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that makes the Lord happier. Is there anybody else here today that needs to commit your life to Jesus Christ? Or maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. You realize you put things on the back burner with Him and you need to step up and say, Hey, Lord, I need to start living for You. I need things to be back right where they were. I need to be in a right relationship with You. And I need to recommit my life to Jesus today. If that's you, would you stand up? Okay. Hey, how about that? You just stand right there. This young lady's been coming to church for a while. The Lord's been at work in her life. Is that right? And you just keep coming after the Lord, don't you? And you took a big step today just standing up. Saying, I need the Lord and I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to put my life back in His hands. I'm going to trust Him. Now you have a really close friend in Chantel. I'm going to ask Chantel to stand up next to you. You just put your arm around her and you join me in praying for her, okay? Dear Father, you are so good. You welcome your children home every time. With open arms, Lord. You know the struggles. You know everything about us. You know everything inside and out. You're the one who loves us in spite of all our struggles, in spite of our failures. In spite of our mistakes, in spite of our rebellion, you love us. I'm so grateful that you love this young lady. I think her name's Lisa. Is that right? Thank you. This is Lisa. And Lord, thank you for loving Lisa and thank you for doing a work in her life. I pray that the Holy Spirit will make Jesus more real than he's ever been before. And I pray that this step of faith will be the first step in a road of great freedom and blessing. We ask you to bless her and encourage her this day in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. You can be seated. So glad I remembered her name. <laughs> Is there anybody else who needs to make that commitment today? Are y'all happy about this? I mean, I am. I'm so excited, you know. 
just blesses me to see people respond to God that way. He's got the answer, friends. Here's the third step you might take. You might need to go public with your faith and say, I need to be baptized publicly to declare that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. It is your public profession of faith. Baptism doesn't save you. doesn't add to your salvation. It is your testimony. When you are baptized, you are saying to everybody out there, I am not ashamed to say that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have trusted him. That's your public profession. It is a way of you demonstrating to everybody out here that you've made that decision and you've made that commitment. It is what Jesus told us to do. He said, ask people to go public with their profession of faith. Ask them to be baptized. Jesus said, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The next Sunday, we're going to baptize some folks. If you'd like to be part of that group, uh, we would love to talk with you about that. David Moorhead is going to be baptizing four of our young people. Hey, what about that? Amen. He's going to be baptizing them, and we have another young lady that's waiting baptism, and uh, she may get baptized next Sunday as well, so we're just grateful for all that God is doing. Here's the last step. I need to rejoice in God's presence, His faithfulness, and His peace for my trials. I need to rejoice in the fact that He has kept me and will keep me through all of my trials. How many of you, that is your step today? Would you raise your hand? Amen. That's mine too. All right. Would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for these young people, Lord, and their their presence here today and for the way you're working in all their lives. And thank you, dear Father, for Austin and his profession of faith, his stand for you today. Lord, work in his life. Reveal yourself to him. Thank you for Lisa, Lord, and the courage she had to stand up and say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. And thank you for working your life today. Lord, would you just work in all of us? Would you just do something new in all of us and draw us to yourself? Help us to represent you well. Help us to take our stand for Jesus. Help us to know the leadership of your spirit. May we bring you honor and glory, Father. Help us to live for you. Help us not to live in the past, not to live in fear, not to live in doubt, but to live courageously, boldly, and faithfully for you. We want you to be honored and glorified. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this moving of your spirit among us. We give you all the praise, all the glory. You are worthy. We thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.